This program is brought to you by Brining Institute, which has provided higher education, training, testing, and certification for addiction professionals since 1986. Okay. All right. So here's what we've done so far. We've done screening. We've talked about screening and the purpose of doing the screenings. Okay. And we've done the intake and we've talked about the orientation and what that looks like. And Next, the next phase that we do is assessments, okay? And I, really, I just want you guys to kind of get how this works. When you go to work at a, at a treatment facility, whether it be inpatient, outpatient, whatever it is, okay? Um, so the first assessment that we're going to look at, look at is called the ASAM, and it's a placement. Remember I said that last hour. It's a placement. Tool, okay. The ASAM was written, it was written by a doctor, okay, and it's written in a form, it's written in a way that it doesn't matter what state you're in, that from state to state, if you were ASAMed, you should come up with the same ASAM placement. So when I'm talking about placement, this is a tool that you do that, like if you came into me, um, I would do an ASAM with you, and after the ASAM, I should be able to say, this is, what, this is what modality of treatment you need to be in, okay? It shouldn't matter from state to state or from facility to facility. If you get ASAM, you should ASAM the same if people are doing the ASAM correctly, okay? Um, and this will make more sense. It, it, this, it might get confusing for a minute. If you ASAM, it's possible that you could ASAM at two different levels of treatment. Okay, it's possible that you could ASAM at intensive outpatient and residential. And if that happens during this ASAM, then you're supposed to pick the least intrusive. Another way to say least intrusive is least expensive. <laughs> um, so if you ASAMed at intensive outpatient and residential, which would you go into? Outpatient, because it's the least intrusive into your life. You could still have a life. It's also the least expensive. So if you ASAM at two different levels, you pick the one that is least expensive, least intrusive to the life. Okay? Does that make sense? Because that it does come up, believe me. Um, most areas that you might work in don't offer all levels of treatment going to pay for. There's a lot that comes into this, okay? But this ASAM is going to tell you where they belong. Where they belong. Whether they get it or not is another story, but it's going to tell you where, the, where they belong, okay? Now this is, you see where it says immediate need triage? You see that? Okay? That's what we're doing. So you've just, you've just come to me to be assessed to, for where you need to go to treatment. And, and the first thing we're going to do, it's kind of like a hospital. It's like a triage. We've got to see um, my God, do you even belong in an emergency room prior to even seeing me? This is the stuff that we're going to be addressing at first, okay? So that top part is about immediate need triage, okay? So where it says on one, question 1A, you see where I'm at? Have you ever had life-threatening symptoms during withdrawals? Okay, so we're talking about... Um, have you ever been hospitalized for seizures 
during withdrawals, you know? Have you uh, ever had psychosis with DTs? You know, has medication management had to be used on you to detox? Okay, that's what they're asking about, okay? Now, if that person says yes, then you're really what's gonna happen right then is that you, this could be a medical emergency right in front of you. And so if they say yes, I've had that during withdrawals, actually what you're going to do is probably stop and you're going to address this and, and get them a, make a call to 911. Okay, does that make sense what, what I'm saying? This is a medical emergency. This person is standing in front of you and needs treatment and, and is acknowledging that during my, when I withdrawal, I've had medical emergencies. I've had seizures. I've had to be in the hospital. I've had, you know, a medical emergency. This is a triage thing. If that happens, if, if there's a yes to that question, it's an absolute stop and get a doctor, call 911. Okay, get this person to an emergency room. Okay, does that make sense? Why? And then question B. Are you currently having similar withdrawal symptoms? This is not about treatment. These first questions are not about treatment in any way, shape, or form. They're about right now. This is not about treatment, okay? So again, question 1A. If you get a yes to this, then they're on their way to the, then they're on their way to the detox, okay? All right? If we get a question and yes to that 1A and then and ask them about the 1B, then they're on their way to uh, 911. This is where you really have to use your trained eye. Okay? Now they might not be having withdrawal symptoms right now, but it might be because they just did a big old fat shot in the parking lot. And by the end of this, they might be having withdrawal symptoms. You really got to use your trained eye and pay attention. Okay? That's why they might not be withdrawing right, right this second. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to do to... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example because if you're drinking, let's say they come into it and they've, been, they've just been drinking out in the parking lot, but an hour later, that's going to look way different. Okay, their blood alcohol level has dropped and, and now they might be going into the DTs and now it might be, oh, or now are you currently having any symptoms? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, so... Use your, use your own brains, use your own, you know, common sense while you're doing this, okay? Alright, um, two, question two. So that was 1A and 1B, okay, when you, when you get a yes on that. You've got to stop it and get them to a detox right away, or I mean get them to a hospital right away. Whatever it takes, whatever's available to you, okay? Number two, biomedical conditions and complications, <coughs> okay? Do you have any current severe untreated physical health problems? Bleeding from the mouth or rectum in the past 24 hours, recent unstable hypertension, recent severe pains in the chest, abdomen, head, significant problems in balance, gait, which is your walk, um, sensory or motor abilities not related to intoxication. Okay? If they answer yes to that question, you refer them to a doctor immediately. This is, about, this is about major physical health problems. Okay, they need to get to a doctor and be, and be seen before they need treatment. 
They need to get to a doctor and be seen for these health issues. Okay, this is like abscesses that are really severe, diabetes that's really severe where they haven't been treating it, and you know, they need to get stabilized before they need to get treatment. Does that make sense? I had a woman that came in and had diabetes, and she didn't know anything about her diabetes, hadn't had anything, hadn't been monitored, hadn't been checked, hadn't anything, and came into treatment. And, and we got her out of there and referred her down to the hospital immediately because she didn't even, she wasn't even stable with her diabetes. She didn't need treatment at that moment. She needed medical attention. Okay? Got to get that handled before you can do treatment. Okay? So if anything is, if there's a yes to that, you need to get them to a doctor. You need to get them to the ER. You need to get them right away seen. Okay? And it's your responsibility to make that happen. That doesn't mean it's your responsibility to drive them. It's your responsibility to make sure that they can be seen. You take them to the, you know, you might get someone to take them to the nearest clinic. You might get their family to. You refer them. You might call, you, you might call an ambulance depending on what it is, okay? Um, number three, emotional behavioral conditions and complications. Do you all see where I'm at? Okay. Uh, it says, do you feel that you are in imminent, imminently in danger of harming yourself or someone else? else? This is mental health. This is all about mental health, okay? Okay, so this could be off of their meds and really, really out there. Okay, really out there. 5150 out there. This could be suicidal. This could be delusional. Okay, um, suicidal, it says ideation with intent, you know, you have plans, you have the means to succeed in it. Homicidal or violent ideations, okay. Impulses and in uncertainty about ability to control impulses with means to act on those impulses, okay. Um, client unable to function and safely care for him or herself. Unable to be, uh, bathe, unable to feed themselves, groom, or care for themselves due to psychosis, okay? Or something organic or uncontrolled intoxication, okay, with threat of imminent safety to self, all right? If they answer yes to this, um, it's an automatic, you stop and, and you place the call. You 5150 this person and you get them to a psych ward. You get them to a mental hospital, and that might, that might mean calling the police, okay? It, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to make that drive. It really might mean calling the police because it might be really unsafe, all right? And those things happen, believe me. You'll 5150 people, okay? All right, number four is, okay, any questions on the first three so far? So if you get a yes on 1A or 1B, 1A and 1B, then you're stopping right away and you're, you're dealing with um, that medical emergency that's about to happen or potentially could happen, okay? If you get a yes to two, then you stop and try to get, refer them to a doctor immediately because they need to handle their medical issues prior to them getting treatment, okay? Because they're severe medical issues, okay? Uh, number three, if you get a yes to that, then you're stopping immediately and you're probably dialing 911 or the police department or whoever to have this person uh, assessed by mental health quickly. Okay? Number four. 
Do you feel you have an immediate need for AOD, alcohol and other drug treatment slash recovery? Okay. This is about um, how much does this person, how much, where is this person at? In other words, what stage of change are they at? You remember when we talked about the stages of change? Pre-contemplation, contemplation, okay? This is what this question is about. You know, where are they at? This, um, it's about their readiness to change. Does the client feel coerced into, into treatment or actively object to receiving treatment? Okay, how ready is the client to change? Um, if willing to accept treatment, how strongly does the client disagree with other people's perceptions about their mental health or their substance abuse issue? This is all about their, um, you know, are they being compliant just to avoid other negative consequences? Okay, um, this is all about that, about their readiness to change, okay? How much do they want to stay away from drugs? You know, how motivated are they? That's what this question is about. Alright? Now, question 4A is talking about immediate need. Okay? Um, yes to these questions. Yes to 4A and 4B. 4B says, have you been referred or required to have an assessment and or treatment by the criminal justice system, health, social services, work, da 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 da. But if you get a yes to this, okay, then you really, what you want to do, the person needs to be within 48 hours assessed and in treatment. In other words, the, here's what we're trying to do. If they want treatment, we want to get them in treatment while they want treatment. That's what this question is about. And so they're saying that you need to catch this person and try to get them in treatment within 48 hours. Okay, now that might be getting them to outpatient. I'm not saying residential, okay? But they need to get engaged with some sort of treatment modality within 48 hours so that you can catch them while they want it. Does that make sense? Okay, any questions? All right, number five. Are you currently under the influence? That means right now, right in front of you. That doesn't mean, are you gonna, if you had to get urine tested, would you give a dirty test? Because you'll give a dirty test for three days or more, depending on the drug, okay? It means, are you currently under the influence? Did you just use? I'm not talking about eight hours ago. I'm not talking about five hours ago. I'm talking about are you currently under the influence? I could smoke crack and an hour later I'd be fine. Okay? Because it, you know, that pretty much goes through your system pretty quickly. So seriously, if I took a hit of crack an hour later, I'm not going to really be currently under the influence. All right? That means currently under the influence. It's like, are you high right now? Right now, are you high? Okay? All right, and then, uh, and, uh, seriously, right now in front of you, that's what you want to write. This is, you know, this part is about, you know, catching them while they're willing, okay? Are you currently under the influence? And then 5B says, are you likely to continue use of alcohol and or other drugs or to relapse in an imminently dangerous manner? Use alone is not imminently dangerous. 
okay? This is not, and I know some of you might disagree, but using alone is not eminently dangerous, okay? Um, now, if your use tonight could cause death, but even IV use alone is not considered eminently dangerous. Now, if you have OD'd five times in the last month, eminently dangerous, because you OD a lot. Okay, does that make sense what I'm saying? All right, and you guys have to use your judgment on this, you know. Is there use, is it imminently dangerous? All right, so let's see. Some of this is about looking at, you know, their skills and tools, you know, their capability inside, you know. Do they have the desire, um, they have the desire to stop, you know, but they, but really do they get what stopping is about, you know, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like this person in front of you may have the desire to stop, um, but they really don't even get what stopping is about, okay? So this is looking at their use and how dangerous it is, okay? Now, um, you can also take a look at their drug use and their behavior when they use. So that might be imminently dangerous also. In other words, do I use and do I get in a car every time when I get drunk and, and go drive? Okay, that could be considered imminently dangerous. Okay, you know, do I have multiple DUIs? Do I look at those kind of things? Because that's dangerous. You know, driving and drinking and then getting in a car is imminently dangerous. Okay, so that's what you're looking for here. All right. You're going to ask questions, you know. T talk to me about this question, you know. Have you ever OD'd? You know, ask those questions. When you get loaded, what do you do? You know, you drink. When you drink, do you drive? Ask those questions. Go ahead and probe for more, okay. This is your opportunity. You're allowed to do that. These questions aren't just straightforward. Oh, you only ask exactly what 1A says and exactly what 1B says, and you don't do that. You probe for more, okay? This, uh, this is an, an important placement tool. You've got to ask more questions, okay? You're the expert. You're the one that needs to know what to ask. Trust your gut. Trust, trust your conscience, you know? No, okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Number six, is that right? Correct? Oh, number six, recovery environment. This is your external recovery environment. Okay? Are there any dangerous family, significant other, living, work, or school situations threatening your safety, immediate well-being, and or sobriety? Examples. You know, you don't have the example. Did I give you this more detail? Okay, good. Example, living with a drug dealer, physically abused by a partner or significant other, homeless in freezing temperatures. Um, if so, then they should be referred to somewhere safe for the time being. Okay, you have to take a look at this question. Ethically, for you, is there any danger in sending this person home? Would you morally be okay with sending this person home to their home environment? 
And if not, then this is where you, you refer them to somewhere safe for the time being. You try to find a homeless shelter. You try to find a battered woman's shelter. You try to whatever. You try to find them a place to be that's safe for them. It's hard, unfortunately, to find those places for, you know, for a lot of times we'll get calls that they want to, someone wants to place someone with us when, they, when really a residential treatment facility is not the appropriate place, but it's a housing issue. That's not appropriate. Okay? So it's not necessarily easy to find those places. All right? But that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to try to send them to a safe environment. Now remember I said, um, this is not just about asking yes or no questions. This is, you know, you can ask any question you need to ask to feel like you've really gotten the full picture about any one of these different dimensions, okay? We're, uh, we're addressing six different dimensions in here, okay? Six different areas that we're addressing, okay? So let's look at this. You're sitting in front of me. And we've just gone over the triage part, the medical emergency part, the psych emergency part. We've just handled that issue, okay? Now, I'm looking at this person and I'm like, we're, we're having conversation. And do I think that this person's intoxication and or withdrawal potential, how, how high do I think that is? Now, when you come into us, you're supposed to be three days clean, okay? So I shouldn't have to deal much with your intoxication or your withdrawal. Now, if you come to me and you're three days clean and you're an opiate addict, then yes, I'm still going to be dealing with your withdrawal, okay? But if you come with me, to me, you're three days clean and you're a methamphetamine addict, then your intoxication slash withdrawal potential is not going to be a hindrance into your treatment, okay? Because you're pretty much detoxing. And for me, you know, methamphetamine, get some sleep, get some food, you know? That's more of what it's about, okay? So, now you notice, pulling out this cheat sheet, if you look under dimension one, acute intoxication withdrawal potential, high functioning. If you say this person in front of you is high functioning, okay, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about their level of function. That means you're saying that this person has minimal or no risk of withdrawal symptoms, okay? And it also means risk or presence of withdrawal noted but manageable in this setting. So this person is either not going to have any withdrawal symptoms, you're not, it's not even going to be noticeable, or it's going to be noticeable but it's manageable in the setting that they're in. Okay? Now, number, medium functioning in this place is in this dimension. Risk or presence of withdrawal syndrome not medically cleared. Okay, so that might, be, that might be that opiate addict that I'm talking about. They came in and they're three days clean, but they, but you know, honestly, when you go to a detox for opiates, you're usually in there for 10 to 15 days. Okay, because the drag about coming off of, anybody an opiate addict in here? Yeah, coming off of opiates is not pretty. It's not generally a, it's not generally a life-threatening thing, and yet, I have had heard of people that have seizured, but it's not generally that, but it is, it's really uncomfortable. And it really will get in the way of treatment. Okay? Everything that's good about a drug, now I know that, so you're, it's coming from an addict, so yes, everything that we addicts think are good about a drug, when you withdraw, you have the opposite effect. 
So when I'm t you're taking opiates, you're taking a pain med. So you're feeling no pain. So when you stop taking those opiates, you're feeling pain. The wind blowing through your hair could hurt. When you're taking opiates, you get one of the side effects is constipation. When you stop taking opiates, one of the side effects is, you know, everything coming out of you in every direction possible, okay? Can you see how that might get in the way of treatment? I don't care what kind of treatment, that might get in the way, okay? It is, it's, it's a heck of a thing. It is, okay? Um, and it's a process. It really can be a good two weeks before these people feel better. Alright? Alright, and then low functioning means that the risk or the presence of withdrawal um, is not medically clear. This person would be that this person, you know, for me, low functioning means that they're absolutely going to, they're in withdrawals. They're, they're in the process and it's going to really get in the way. Okay? Yeah. One of the papers that I wrote for Brining when I was doing my work there was, um, and I'm sure you guys will see it too, um, was about um, pregnant women and opiates. It is really, really difficult to find somebody, a detox, that will take a pregnant woman that is hooked on opiates. It's extremely difficult. And nowadays it's very common to find that because we're looking at oxys and you know, all that fantastic new stuff out there that people are using. You know, and it is very difficult, very difficult to find a detox that will deal with a pregnant woman withdrawing from opiates because of the baby. You know, because of they're afraid of the, you know, what, what could happen and the liability of dealing with the, with the baby. You know, and so at one point I called my boss and said, you know, I had a woman that had been in our facility prior, hooked on oxys wasn't pregnant that time, got out, relapsed, now is pregnant and hooked on oxys again. And he said that we could take her, but she had to have a medical clearance. She had to have something from a doctor saying that it was okay for her to be in our facility. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now just, here's what I'll also say, just because the doctor says that they're, I mean if you go to an ER, because you're, you're having alcohol withdrawals, you know, because I have friends that have been in ERs many times for alcohol withdrawals. I mean, it's, you know, you're there for maybe 12 hours and they're going to help you with some Ativan or whatever it is that they're going to give you. But you don't come out of there totally withdrawn. They're going to send you out with some meds or something probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the ER certainly is not a, a detox. They're going to handle the medical emergency. That's what they're going to do. And then they're going to send you out with a prescription and hope to God that you don't abuse that. Okay? Yes, that's it exactly. I just need to stabilize you. That's it exactly. You're certainly not going to go into an ER and do a 14-day detox off of opiates. They're not going to do that at all. Okay? All right. So you sit there with that person and you decide, you know, is this person high functioning? High means high is good. Is this person high functioning? Is their detox going to get in the way of their treatment basically? Uh, moderate functioning, yeah, it might get in the way a little bit, but it's something that we can handle. Or low functioning, it's like, uh, no, I'm not thinking this is, you know, this is a person where their detox is definitely going to be a part of their treatment basically. Okay? Does that make sense? 
All right. Number two, uh, biomedical conditions and complications. All right. High functioning. You look on that cheat sheet. High functioning says, you know, for me, high functioning means that, you know, they don't have any real medical issues that are going to get in the way. Everything's, their health is, is generally good, okay? Up top it says physical health conditions are sufficiently stable to permit participation in treatment. Now they could have diabetes, they could have something, but it's very stable. They've been dealing with it. Okay? Uh, you know, our pregnant women, just because they come in pregnant doesn't mean that they're not high functioning. Now, if they came in and they haven't had any medical treatment for their pregnancy yet, they haven't even been seen, they may not be high functioning. You know, because they haven't had any prenatal care yet, okay? Um, moderate. Moderate care needs for physical conditions can be met in coordination with the program. The risk of use of AOD places client in imminent danger to physical health. I think what that's trying to say is, is that um, their issues can be handled in whatever type of modality they end up in. Um, and yet it's really important that they be in some sort of modality of treatment because their AOD issues are really big too. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay, but yet, yes, there might be some, you know, let's get back to the pregnant ladies, you know. If, if I've got a pregnant lady that's had no prenatal care at all, and, you know, she's five or six months along and her last pregnancy was difficult, I might give her a moderate because, yes, she's going to need some extra work, but it's stuff that we can deal with, and it's not safe to put her out anywhere else, you know, because her use is really huge too, okay, all right. And then low functioning, their physical illness and complications of addiction needing medical stabilization. Um, that one lady, had she walked into AOD and, and acknowledged that she had diabetes that she hadn't been treating at all, she didn't, wasn't even educated on her diabetes, she would get low functioning. She needs to be stabilized. Somebody with severe hypertension and they haven't been on their meds. You know, or someone with severe hypertension and they haven't been seen by a doctor in a long time and they've been drinking a lot or something. They need to get stabilized. They need to be seen. That's going to be low functioning. Okay? Make sense? Alright. Next level of care. Um, level of functioning, I mean. Emotional behavioral conditions and complications. In other words, mental health. Okay? Let me look and see if there's anything I want to add to that. You know, are there one or more psychiatric disorders contributing to or complicating the patient's condition? You know, are there current psychiatric illnesses or psychological, behavioral, or emotional problems that need to be addressed? You know, there's a lot in here. Are there chronic conditions that affect treatment because of continued symptoms or disability? You know, are they stable? but they're um, stable but chronic schizophrenic, affective or personality disorder problems, there's a lot to this question, okay? Uh, do their emotional, behavioral, or cognitive problems appear to be an expected part of addiction illness or do they appear to be separate? Um, even if they're connected to the addiction, are they severe enough to warrant specific mental health treatment, okay? This is all about, and it's very vast, this is all about mental health, okay? So a high-functioning person under, under number three, 
Emotional behavioral problems will not interfere with treatment or are being addressed by outside services. So just because you come in and you have depression, if you're on your meds or you're being seen, just because you have depression doesn't mean you're going to be low functioning or moderate functioning. Okay? It means you're handling your issues, you're stable, you've been on your meds, you're on your meds, you're being seen, you're doing what needs to be done. Okay? Moderate means coexisting conditions are likely to interfere with abstinence, requires continuous monitoring. Okay? So this is a person that maybe doesn't do their meds. Okay? Or they don't do their meds when they're high. And they, this is a person that probably isn't going to show up very well in outpatient because they're going to require monitoring. Okay? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Um, and then low functioning. Danger to self or others. Severe thought disturbances. AOD use complicates psychiatric conditions. Okay? Um, this is, you know, this is, a, this person actually wouldn't be in our facility. Now, I have an, we have another facility that's a smaller facility, you know. Schizophrenics don't do well in our facility. Our facility is too big. It's too, too many people, you know. This person might do better in a small, you know, six-bed facility where they have more indiv individualized care, you know, where they're monitored more. You know, or this person needs a medically monitored, they might need, you know, a psych place, okay? All right? Um, what's next? Where was I? Oh, four? Treatment acceptance. Does anybody have any questions on the first three? Okay, stay with me, okay? Because in a minute we're going to be doing one of these, okay? You're going to be doing one of these. Treatment acceptance, resistance, readiness to change. Again, remember we're talking about motivation. Are they there because they have to be? Are they there because they want to be? What does that look like? Okay. Um, client says high functioning. They recognize their addiction problems and is sufficiently cooperative to respond to treatment with limited structure. Okay. Moderate. They have a they admit their AOD problems. They have significant history of continued use despite adverse consequences. And low functioning, denies or blames AOD problems on people and external events. This person is so not even, they are so pre-contemplation. It's your fault, the police are picking on me. You know, it's, it's nothing, it's not theirs at all, okay? Dimension five, relapse, continued use potential. Do they get it or are they going to just say, you know, are they, do they get it or do they, or is it just about, oh, I just need to say no. I just, you know, I can just say no and, and I'll be fine. You know, do they get about this disease or do they think, the, you know, I just need to get a job and I'll be okay. Okay, do they understand about relapse? All right. Number five, high functioning. Likely to maintain abstinence in a treatment environment with limited structure. So this person could, can stay abstinent even in a limited structure environment, okay? Moderate, high likelihood of relapse without close monitoring and near daily support. Now that still describes outpatient, okay? And then low functioning, history of inability to reduce use despite severe problems. 
and attempts to quit. Structure required for abstinence. That describes us. Okay, and that describes residential. All right. That person is a person that uses no matter what the consequences are going on in their life. They have CPS, they have court, they have, and they continue to use and they continue to relapse. Okay, that's what that person is. Okay, number six, recovery environment. High functioning. Now check this out because this is important. A high functioning recovery environment, just because your parents um, don't use doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're a good environment for you to be in. Because if you've been living with them and using, then clearly it's not necessarily a great environment. So you got to look at that, okay? Now high functioning. Supportive environment exists for abstinence and recovery. But supportive might mean that mom might be way too codependent for it to be a supportive environment. Dad might be way too co codependent for it to be a supportive environment, okay? Dad might, mom and dad might be really um, hard and abusive and, uh, and, and yet they don't use, but that doesn't mean it's a good environment, okay? Medium, abstinence possible in the home environment given sufficient treatment exposure. Okay, so abstinence is possible in the home environment with enough um, treatment exposure, okay? And then low functioning. Removal from conflicted or non-supportive environment necessary to allow recovery skill development. Okay, that means that person needs to get out of wherever it is. The, uh, the one prior to that was like, okay, if I get them an intensive outpatient or I get them whatever, this might, it might be possible for them to be in this environment with enough support. Okay? Alright. Now, does that make sense? Okay. Anybody have any questions on that piece? So you're, remember, the top part you're doing the triage. This is to figure out what do I need to do right now? Right now. Is there a medical emergency? Is there a psych emergency? Is there a housing emergency? Do I need to get them in treatment within the next 48 hours because I need to catch them while they're hot? What do I need to do? Okay? And then that piece that we just finished, that is your judgment based on your interview in the top when you've been discussing this other stuff with them. And of course you can probe more, but that is all about your judgment, that bottom part.